Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 375 of Linux in the Handshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And this is our short topics episode for tonight, so we will have a lot of interesting short topics for you. And uh, they're even interesting to me because I don't know what most of these are. But <laughs> before we dive into that, we should probably let you know who the crew of this show is. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And because I'm feeling like I want to read the first one because it looks easy, I'm going to go ahead and read the first one. We're we're into amateur radio topics, which is where we usually start. And um, yeah, there was there was one topic we could have put in for the lead topic, but I'm going to let that sleeping dog lie. So, <laughs> and uh, only two people know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, three, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, story for another day. Anyway, amateur radio topics. First one is FCC moves across the street from NPR. Wanting to free up some real estate close to the freeway and water, the FCC moved to be closer to the NPR headquarters. I'm sure that wasn't the reason, but for lack of better context for the story, as explained in an order released on August 4th, 2020 and published in the Federal Register on October 13th, 2020, the FCC has amended its rules to reflect this new address. That's within the rules where they are. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, in doing so, redundant references to the FCC's address were deleted and replaced with a cross-reference to section 0.401 of the commission's rules. Nothing in the address change order or this public notice alters the commission's current prohibition against the delivery of hand-carried documents to the FCC headquarters because of the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition, this public notice does not impact or change other ongoing COVID-19 restrictions or instructions regarding access to FCC facilities. So, in other words, keep the F out. (laughs) (laughs) It's in the rules. Look it up. (laughs) So, yeah, that came from the right from the horse's mouth. Public notice from the FCC. Yeah, you know, you know, it's a big news day when we're talking about the FCC moving and uh, (laughs) change of address. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it was, I was kind of looking at the map and I was trying to see like, uh, who's their, who's their new neighbor? What, what's the point of this? And I was going to say subway, but you know, um, you know, <laughs> subway would have been much better. Honestly. They were trying to get those $5 foot longs back. You know, so. <laughs> Except they'd have to go across the street to get them because, you know, subway can't bring them over because yeah. that's against the rules. Well, actually, right? I think it's like right around, they're on the same block on the same side of the street. So uh, <laughs> Jimmy John's could deliver those. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, except, well, no except, it's except, hand delivered. It, yeah. That would be hand delivered information too. Well, that's true. They, they'd have to keep the paper, but they could give them the sandwich, I think. Maybe. Yeah, I <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's do this next one. The uh, ARRL logbook of the world harmonizes designation of FST4 protocol. 
the logbook of the world committee uh, worked with the WSJTX developer, Joe Taylor, K1JT to harmonize the designation of FST4 among WSJTX, the ADIF standard and LOTW and LOTW. Sorry. Uh, this is the problem. Again, I was carriage returning before I could go there <laughs> at present. <laughs> FST4 is only supported in a recently released beta version of WSJTX, which I believe was actually the RC build, not a beta, but whatever. <clears throat> Tomato, tomato. Uh, the committee's action was to avoid the sort of confusion that cropped up among uh, LOTW logging contacts when uh, FT4, when that protocol was first in- included in WSJTX. In the case of FST4, the committee acted proactively to help users avoid difficulties and obtain the maximum number of contact matches, because we're all right on top of this. Uh, the ADIF standard has been updated to support FST4 as a submode of MFSK. And configuration file of config.xml for LOTW has been updated to version 11.13 accordingly to support FST4. Users will be offered the update when they run TQSL the next time. So there you go. All right. Very good. Nice to have proactivity when necessary. So FST4. Definitely never use that. So I have to try it one of these days, I guess. I've, I've had my radio on six meters all day, and it's been dead, 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 dead. I showed there was an opening earlier today. I got an email. Um, yeah, I, it was open for me for like two stations for about 12 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, well, that, that's kind of what it does right now. So yeah. just blurbs, it'll just boop, open, closed, open, closed. <laughs> so end of October, Halloween, you know, Frankenstein, death, uh, all that. So it's uh, very appropriate that six yeah. meters has no life. <laughs> it's tricky. <laughs> uh, so glad I spent, you know, $800 on a radio, so I could not use it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have all the other bands, so, you know. Speaking has, of that, where the hell is my rebate? I oh, want my money back. <laughs> I'll give you a Ray Novak's email. <laughs> a cell phone number. <laughs> yeah, I think they said it was like six to eight weeks or something like that, so I think the, I think we're still within that window. But. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just yeah you haven't had it that long. No, I haven't. So, uh, yeah, so that means there's money coming to me. Yeah, that's always nice. Uh, so sliding deftly from amateur radio into open source, let's talk about Debian donations for peer tube development. Uh, the Debian project is happy to announce a donation of 10,000 euros to help Framasoft reach the fourth stretch goal of its peer tube V3 crowdfunding campaign, live streaming. From June to November 2020, Framasoft or Framasoft, I don't know, uh, will develop new features and improvements for peer tube. We, <laughs> we, who's we? <laughs> the, the the story the story writers Debian yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have broken down this roadmap into four main steps. Oh Each- no, I take that back. This is Pure Tube's explanation, so the voice would be from Pure Tube Pure themselves. Tube. Excellent. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> hey, no problem. I, like I said, no pre-reading. Uh, we have broken down this roadmap into four main steps, each with its own schedule and cost, leading to the addition of peer-to-peer powered live streaming to PeerTube V3. These developments are funded by donations made to our small nonprofit organization, Framasoft. We will be raising funds progressively over the next six months of development so that you can help us in our efforts. Currently funded at 102%. Step one was 10,000 euros for global search. Step two was 20,000 euros for moderation. Step three was 40,000 euros for plugins and playlists. And step four is 60,000 euros to include live streaming. Uh... What's the October through November thing? No, oh, that was the time period. Sorry. Oh, the time period. I think uh, I think you had 
done something weird about the history of this because I cleared all that out before, but whatever. No, I, <laughs> I didn't touch this. So, oh, well, maybe it was me. Maybe I messed it up. <laughs> I thought I got so, rid of all that. So, oh, fine. Well, you finish it off then because since it's like so weird, there's even like a heart in the etherpad. How the hell did yeah, that get in there? There's like yeah, emojis. It's, a, it's emojis in the etherpad. How that? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, they're in the live streaming. They're adding, uh, so the limited or well, our specifications are peer to peer with uh, 30 seconds to uh, a minute worth of lag. Uh, which is typical when live streaming, you know, you could be anywhere from, you know, 20 to two minutes, <laughs> uh, no chat, no gifts, no emojis. That's basically what heart is, uh, post live publishing. So basically the same thing you'd get when you go to, um, you know, YouTube and you can save the file as a, uh, as a post afterwards. And then of course, uh, to improve the UX and UI around that, that, uh, whole, whole uh, streaming setup and stuff like that. So that inside the show notes, you'll find links to both the Debian article explaining this and, of course, the uh, PeerTube uh, um, V3 funding campaign uh, website landing page or whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of cool that uh, PeerTube's getting that. I know I kind of played around with PeerTube probably uh, a couple last year maybe i don't know i don't even remember now <laughs> but I, haven't, I haven't gone back to it uh because of you know when you go to load a video it's like you basically are downloading it so it is kind of it was kind of clunky when when i first started using it and so i kind of just walked away from it but uh you know now that they they're going to have live streaming and everything else this is uh this is going to get pretty interesting and uh, i might have to go back and look at the tool set yeah, very good. And these, uh, let's see, I'm going to do the next one because the two after that have a lot of billisms. <laughs> and, uh, or at least, um, you know the story better than I do because you're the one who found them. So, yeah. um, I'm going to do this one about HashiCorp announcing HashiCorp boundary. Uh, we, I'm assuming this is HashiCorp are pleased to announce HashiCorp boundary, a new open source project that enables practitioners and operators to securely access dynamic hosts and services with fine grained authorization without requiring direct network access. Boundary is designed to grant access to critical systems using the principle of least privilege, solving challenges organizations encounter when users need to securely access applications and machines. Ah, just give them all root. That's fine. Uh, traditional products that no problem there, right? No security issues. None at all. Traditional products that grant access to systems are cumbersome. Yeah, looking at you, SE Linux. Uh, painful to maintain or are black boxes lacking extensible APIs. Boundary allows authentication and authorized users to access secure systems in private networks without granting access to the larger network where those systems reside. Isn't this like sudo? <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's much more than that. And if you go and check out the source and the website, it's, uh, it's actually kind of interesting. I mean, if you, you, know, you obviously manage lots of systems and stuff like that, but you know that like as soon as you get past a certain point, you sort of have the keys to the kingdom because you're inside of like the back net of the entire network. <laughs> basically, basically, if you're connected to the console, you have the keys to the kingdoms. <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's kind of like what they're saying. Like, you know, you give somebody a VPN access. Now they kind of can snoop the entire VPN network, but like they might only need like access to this one application on this one box that's inside the VPN. Why give them access to everything else when you can just give them the access that they need to actually access the application. Um, outside of having to have everything else. So if you check out the website, they kind of explain it in, in greater detail and show various scenarios in which this particular product works really well. And the nice part about this product, of course, it is open source. 
<laughs> and you could check out exactly how it works and look how uh, you could use it to implement some kind of a advanced and extensible security system for uh, for your machines that uh, you organize or maintain. Well, I might take a look at it, but there is a sort of axiom in the in the world of security where greater complexity and or greater power comes with greater complexity. So, um, I'm willing to bet this is non-trivial to deploy. So, um, I'll, I'll see what kind of documentation they've got. It might be interesting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And the license on it is Mozilla public license too. Well, we don't talk about MPL very often, do we? It's usually like, uh, MIT, BSD, GPL and Apache. And yeah, yeah. MPL. Yeah. That doesn't show up a lot. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting choice of a license. I always try to look for that when I go looking for source and stuff like that so yeah <clears throat> something new yeah very cool all right so talk about rust okay i'm off to the races on these all right so uh <laughs> this one i i almost dropped because i have the next one story but i still thought this was kind of interesting uh it's rusty linux rusty linux now this is not a distribution this is basically it's a simple script to install basic rust apps as alternatives to the default ones why most linux tools are written in c and c for performance and history reasons this language is still very popular, or these languages are still very popular, but I know from experience that it is easy to make a mistake in it, which results in memory integrity violations, often resulting in a program shutdown or even worse, data corruption or leaks. One of the potential solutions to these problems is to use the Rust language, providing comparable performance, offering elimination of many types of typical bugs already at the compilation stage. And uh, this uh, particular script installs... Uh, a lot of replacements for like LS, SED, Vim, Core Tools, uh, Cat, Grep, you know, Disk Use, uh, Find, Locate, Curl, PS Top, uh, all those kind of utilities. Uh, so inside the the link, uh, the links in the show notes is the link to the Reddit thread. Yes, I found this on Reddit. Sorry, uh, and the uh, link to the repo. But uh, I, I read some of the comments in the Reddit thread and also kind of got me to uh, a landing page called Awesome Rust. And this is kind of like uh, the awesome self-hosted page and the awesome blah, blah, blah page that is just a GitHub page with links to a bunch of references to other things that are uh, also interesting in this. So, yeah, so check out the Awesome Rust link, and that's also in GitHub. And you can kind of see what uh, a bunch of other things you can do with uh Rust-driven programs on your Linux box. All right, so everybody, make sure to put on your tie dyes for the next one. <laughs> tie dyes, yeah. <laughs> so this should this is kind of a flash topic, but it's also a little longer because I did play with it. Um, Ubuntu Linux twenty dot ten Groovy Gorilla is here with renewed Raspberry Pi focus. Uh, Mark Shuttleworth, uh, CEO at Canonical, explains: In this release, we celebrate the Raspberry Pi's foundation foundation's commitment to put open computing into the hands of people all over the world. We are honored to support that initiative by optimizing Ubuntu on Raspberry Pi, whether for personal use, educational purposes, or as a foundation for their next business venture. Canonical shares on the top of Raspberry Pi desktop support, Ubuntu 20.10 includes GNOME 3.38, which tweaks the apps grid, removes the frequence tab, and allows apps to be ordered and organized however users prefer. 
The battery percentage display toggle has been exposed in the power settings. Private Wi-Fi hotspots can be shared using uniquely generated QR codes. And a restart option has been added to the status menu next to log off power off or log out power off. Yeah, Ubuntu 2010 comes with the GNOME 3.38 by default, the absolute best desktop environment. Okay, well, that's debatable, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you read that in like, like vomit or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, vomited in my mouth a little bit. Uh, anyway, uh, Groovy Gorilla has a, has a modern Linux kernel, 5.8, and the operating system is chock full of great pre-installed software, such as Firefox. Oh, first thing I uninstall. Um, Firefox. Fox 81, LibreOffice 702, uh, Thunderbird 78.3.2. Of course, there are countless other great applications you can install yourself. Uh, the kernel 5.8 provides some wonderful additions to... Uh uh, uh, wonderful additions as listed below. So, so everybody look down. Okay, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> airtime queue limits for better Wi-Fi connectivity quality or connection quality. Uh, b- uh bitter butter FS right butter FS RAID one with three and four copies and more checksum alternatives. USB four Thunderbolt three protocol support added. X eighty six enable five level paging support by default. Intel Gen eleven or sorry yeah, Gen eleven Ice Lake and Gen twelve Tiger Lake graphic support. Uh, initial support for the AMD Family 19H, the, that's Zen 3. Uh, thermal pressure tracking for systems, blah, blah, blah. You know, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is, remember, this is this is not the LTS build. This is not something you want to upgrade to if you are an LTS user wanting to stay on the LTS track. These are the six-month builds that come out every six months, <laughs> and that's all the support they get. So you do not go throw this on your server unless it's a throwaway server that you don't really care about. Um, if you just want to play with it because it's a, you know it's on a desktop, whatever, hey, do it. It's fine. It's kind of fun to test it because you know eventually this stuff and the stuff they do in these uh, six-month builds do eventually make it to the next LTS build. Um, obviously, any security stuff handled in this are always back patched anyway to uh to the lts so the lts is always secure well within reason (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so this uh this came from a beta news article and i did uh, get a chance to download it and uh run it uh in a vm just real quick to kind of take a look at it and yeah there's this creepy gorilla with glasses looking at you on their bat on their (laughs) installer and on their uh wallpaper and of course it's purpley and pink and stuff like that so you know you know Pretty typical colors that we've kind of come accustomed to since, like, you know, Dingo, whatever. What was that one? Dingo Dung? Dingo Dung? Whatever was that? <laughs> I'm just going to let you Daring flounder Dingo, around. Something, I can't even remember what it was. Um, so I did install the um, uh, Ham Radio Pure Blend stuff and installed the WSJTX out of their repo just to see what version was there. And for the 8, uh, 20.10, they actually do have 2.2.2 in there, which, of course, is an upgrade from the 2.1.2 that we see in the LTS. Um, so I did uninstall the, uh, that after I tested that out, got rid of WSJTX and WSJTX data. Cause it of course had the same problem that mine did. I had to get rid of the data so I could replace the icon on the desktop when I installed the dev package for the RC one build of 2.3.0. Um, so yeah, yeah, you could use this as a daily driver. Um, runs really nice. I, I didn't notice any like spectacular stuff in it cause a, I, I don't use the uh, the default <laughs> UI, uh, <clears throat> so I really can't say much about that. <laughs> um, I, I normally use uh, Budgie on mine, so um, 
but yeah, yeah, and everything worked, uh, yeah, fantastically. I didn't, didn't have any problems at all. Um, you know, I'd give it a, you know, the typical Ubuntu 4.5 or better uh, LHS score. So yeah, definitely could, could use this as a ham shack computer. Pretty easy. Um, yeah, I, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to upgrade to it. I'm actually waiting for Fedora 33 myself. Oh no. You, you. <laughs> Gone yeah. to the, welcome to the dark side, Luke. Uh, yeah, you know, I was uh, I was on Fedora for quite a while, and then when uh, 2004 came out, I went to that, and I think I'm I think I'm done with it now. <laughs> Re- ready to change something again, and I'm like, oh, Fedora 33 is coming out. I'm go full butter R, you know, butter FS. Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> this computer's got a few more, you know, a few more laps left on its legs, so might as well. Uh, do another install all right well let's move on to linux in the ham shack and while you are sort of on a roll with distributions i'll take the story after this one but you can talk about something we have touched on before but there's a new release so yeah absolutely yeah this is uh dragon os focal uh obviously focal fossa um uh, release four i'm so disappointed is- they went with focal fossa because i was just thinking that they should have gone with something like fascinating flounder because <laughs> <laughs> i want to see a fish on my desktop they yeah. have they done fish i don't think they've done a single fish i can't recall anyway so yeah this was a uh, dragon os was last featured here back on episode 338 um dragon os focal is an out-of-the-box lubuntu 2004 based x8664 operating system for anyone interested in software defined radios and i think that's why we looked at it last time and last time it was based on 1804 so this is the all-new shiny lts build uh current lts build uh all source software is uh located in the user source directory uh while the remaining software was installed by package managers this is a brief summary of the software included while not complete it covers the bigger name packages and some of the drivers installed for the various supported sdrs such as the hack rf1 rtl sdr and lime sdr <clears throat> some of the packages uh, that uh, that it has there of course is the universal radio hacker gnu radio aircrack ng not sure that's ham radio, but whatever. GQRX, <laughs> Calibrate HackRF, Wireshare, GRGSM, RTLSDR, HackRF, IMSI Catcher, ZenMap, InSpectrum, uh, QSpectrum Analyzer, Analyzer, LTE Cell Scanner, Cubic SDR, Lime Suite, Shiny SDR, SDR Angel, so we've talked about that one, SDR Trunk, Kismet, Blade RF, and of course, Q Radio Link. So I did, uh, uh, of course, boot this one up as well um installs fine um i'm I'm thinking there was something goofy what did i there was something goofy between the two i'm trying to remember because i did both of these back to back um of course this was at lubuntu so it was a little different uh simplified start menu and stuff like that um very windows xp feeling type setup um not that's not a not not an insult or anything. <laughs> this is very simple Windows, like like Lubuntu is, um, and uh, you know XFCE is basically the same way. You know, very simple windowing interface, the start menu, and everything else. Uh, the only thing I didn't see on here specifically was like some extra ham radio software. So it definitely was not installed via the ham radio pure blend. Uh, G Predict was on there. But uh, a lot of the other stuff wasn't. But you can obviously install the Ham Radio Pure Blend packages, which might move around some of the menuing items because it does add the uh, Ham Radio uh, menu item or menu folder. 
and it tends to move uh, some of the apps around. So they have the apps organized in a certain way. So I have a feeling if you did that, it would it would definitely change that. I didn't test that out, but I'm just thinking in my head out loud. <laughs> <laughs> that in theory, that would happen. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So this is actually back on the other one, uh, the 20.10. I think this is the first time I've seen in the installer when you build your user account, when you're doing the install, it had an option of uh, an Active Directory user. Yeah, I don't, re- I don't recall that from uh, other Ubuntu installs. And yeah, why don't... would you want to use that thing? I mean, unless you, do, <laughs> unless you have like a Samba AD server or something. Well, I mean, you could have a, a mixed hybrid network where you're running, you know, maybe some Ubuntu servers inside of, um, you know, an ADS or Active Directory server managed network. Yeah, what a shame. If you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to virtualize all those Windows boxes on something, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> sure, and heck, doesn't run one Windows that well. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so that was, uh, I, I know it's on the previous story, but that, that, that was the thing I saw that was different. And I haven't seen that in any build. And I obviously I didn't see that in this one because this is based on 2004. Um, but yeah, it, it looked pretty cool. Um, it looked good before, you know, so, I mean, if you're into SDR and you want to have everything kind of already pre-installed and, and, and kind of pre-worked out, cause you know, we know that SDR angel was kind of a bit of a push to get installed unless you want the snap package, but I didn't think the snap package was quite updated. And there might be a flat pack and I'm not sure I didn't look exactly to see how this was installed on some of the more complex packages that you don't see like a deb for. Um, but anyway, it's already there. So if you want to mess around with your SDR and use this, um, check it out. And this also, the last item I mentioned, Q radio link, which is what Russ is going to talk about next is kind of like the, the story that brought me back to seeing that dragon OS got an update. So over to you, Russ. <laughs> All right, very good. One. And uh, since you talked about Dragon OS, which is an SDR-focused distribution, we've uh, touched on some SDR applications on the program, but certainly not all of them. And one of the ones we haven't touched on, which is apparently a, a key component of Dragon OS, is QRadio Link, which is a GNU Linux multimode SDR transceiver application using the Internet for VOIP communication built on top of GNU Radio, which allows experimenting with software-defined radio hardware using different digital and analog radio signals, and a Qt5 user interface. Its primary purpose is educational, demonstrating radio communications to children at schools, but it can also be customized for low-power data communications on various ISM frequency bands. It can also be used as an amateur radio SDR transceiver for experimentation. Possible applications for Q Radio Link are ISM Band Com, Raspberry Pi Hobby RF Com, Radio Over IP, Internet Linking of Semi Duplex or Full Duplex Remote Radio Nodes, and Homebrew Radio Hotspot for digital voice modes and amateur radio bands. So, yeah. I'm assuming you didn't get a chance to look at this. No, this is one of the things I wanted to get a look at, but of course we had something to do, so I didn't get a chance to. Well, I would highly recommend taking a look at this. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I would use it per se, but um, you might want to look at it because Q Radio Link is is pretty slick. And there's actually some guy did a video just a day or two ago on YouTube on it and uh, was using Dragon OS and was showing this. But uh, basically, it allows you also to connect your SDR to a Mumble server, and you can actually use the Mumble server to not only just transmit the audio from one one um one to the next 
<laughs> one one yeah one one client to another client computer. Um, obviously, you can also transmit directly into the channel. And then I also saw some PTT options and stuff like that kind of built into the interface as well. So I'm assuming that this also allows you to possibly do those transceiver things, be able to hook a PTT to it and use mumble in between your SDR, presumably a transceiver, <laughs> not an RTL SDR, which is just a receiver. Uh, using mumble as a kind of like a remote, uh, remote control, remote receiver, just straight up deal. mumble or like mumble RF or what? Uh, it was using, uh, uh, I think, uh, uh, dragon OS comes with a build of mumble called you murmur micro murmur. I'm assuming anytime you put a U in front of us, something it normally means micro murmur, <laughs> right? So murmur is the server. And, uh, I don't think it's the RF one specifically, but it has like like the client inside. So like this has a built-in client. QRadio Link has a built-in client for connecting to Mumble. And it has some of the trickery in there for it. So I'm assuming some of that is client controlled. Since you're 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 connecting with QRadio Link locally to your rig. So your your SDR box plugs into one computer running QRadio Link. You connect it to Mumble and then with whatever options. And then you go out to the interwebs. <laughs> Another computer connects to it using Q Radio Link. So you're still using the same software. You so you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, I, I get I get where you're going with it. Yep. So yeah, it's it's using that as the transport medium. I don't know if that's just for audio. I didn't go into it deep enough to look at it. But when I saw the video, which was really short, um, but it showed that kind of, you know, he pulled up and was, you know, pulled up an FM station, whatever, NPR or whatever. And, uh, you know, got onto another computer. He had like two side-by-side laptops and yeah, you could do it right over top of, um, you can hear the radio station <laughs> right through, uh, through the mumble connection. And, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's kind of interesting to look at. I think we should probably take a, a, a deeper look at that particular application as I think think uh it's probably be of interest to people um because yeah i haven't seen this one before and uh it looks interesting yeah it definitely does look interesting i wish i had had a chance to look at it earlier so i'd know a little more about it but we could always if it, if it truly turns out to be that interesting we can always do a deep dive on it so that would be cool yeah sounds good uh if not we can always just uh do sort of a, a half dive or, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Tiptoe in the shallow end. Yeah, right. I was gonna say that's shallow end or what? <laughs> that's like what we normally do in our deep dives. The they end up lasting an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> a dive through the kiddie pool. There you go. So All right. So that means we have no more topics. We've somehow managed to come all the way down to the end of the topics, which means the show's almost over. But before it's over we need to do a little bit of rounding up. So Cheryl is going to take us through that social media roundup, and I'm going to take a quick look over at the chat room, see if anybody's really talking about anything. doesn't look like it. It's a bunch of random comments, and we'll get to the folks in the chat room here in a minute, but let's find out who has been supporting the show over the past week or two weeks and who has been uh, joining our social media circles. Alrighty then. So for our Patreons, we have John Spriggs, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jaquay, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Saner, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions, 
We have Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Pewter, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd da- excuse me, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. For Facebook, we had Svend Fedrickson, Igor Zaid. I'm assuming that's possibly pronounced right. And, and I did the work of converting that from the Cyrillic before you had to read it. Thank so. you. <laughs> uh, Ian Wilton and Tom, excuse me, Tim Childers. I think I typoed the first one. I think it's Fredrickson, not not Fedrickson. So I, I threw the R in there. <laughs> okay, thank you. Too late. No, I mean, uh, not not your fault at all. Totally yeah, mine. So, uh, for so sorry, Svend. Yeah. There is a D on it, though. I know I know lots of Svens, but no Svends. So that's a new one to me. But anyway. Uh, you and your spe- Swedish background. So there you go. Uh, for Twitter, we had at Ram Ramsh Kumark. <laughs> yeah. I'm get, I'm trying to make take, a word out of it, right? Yeah. So I'm it's Ramsh It's probably Ramesh Kumar or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So something vaguely Indian, Pakistani, some, something. Something. Yeah. Something Middle Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So. And at RNNewbie52 on YouTube, we had Bartos uh, Zubwidniwick and Zeo4Blue. No one joined us on the mailing list. And Michael Burdak bought something. Stickers. 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 Yeah, bought stickers. Everybody, everybody likes the stickers. <laughs> everybody does seem to like the stickers, so that's very cool. So we want to thank Bill for making those stickers and for... Woo-hoo. <laughs> Maybe good... maybe there'll be more stickers someday or patches. Yeah, I still have the the 3D ones too. I should oh, probably right. send you some of those. Yeah. <laughs> or or wow. at least uh, send me a picture of one so I can put it on the website. Yeah, <laughs> or, and what Bill can trip about from his. Yeah, list. yeah. <laughs> no, that, that would be very fair. But uh, yeah, if you want to, if you want to uh, send me some of those, I will put them on the website so that we can tell them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, very good. Oh, and I see that Richard popped up in the chat room, so we put him in the list. So, all right. So with that, we have come down to the end of the show. And with that, we want to make sure we let people know who was in the chat room tonight. And I think I got everybody. I don't think I missed anyone who was in there. Um, I'm about to start reading. So if you're in here and we don't know it, <laughs> speak up like now. wave or something <laughs> or, you know, do the happy dance or <laughs> the chicken happy dance, dance or something. Uh, but here we go. We had Gene BX8AAD, Don KC9ZMY, Don KB2YSI, Tony K4XSS, Ted WA0EIR, and Richard KB5JBV. So thanks everybody for joining us in the chat room tonight. And we hope you all have a good week. Try out some of these new things. Check out some of the topics. All the links to additional information, if there was any, will be in the show notes. So make sure you go to lhspodcast.info to find out all of that and uh join us next time around for our deep dive episode should be interesting we hope you'll be there for that so let's go ahead and wrap up episode number 375 of linux in the ham shack i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo and i'm bill any 4 rd 73 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QR1. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hamfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.